0: It seems to me this is worse than the 2003 SARS outbreak. Back then, the outbreak led to business and school closures for a very long time. And so this, right now, I mean, like we talked about, there's just no end in sight.
1: Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, Bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from a sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog named May It Please the Court and have two books out titled How to Get Sued and The Sled. Well, before we introduce today's topic, we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Blue J Legal. Blue J Legal's AI-powered foresight platforms accurately predict court outcomes and accelerate case research by using factors instead of keywords. You can learn more at BlueJLegal.com. That's Blue, the letter J, legal.com. BlueJLegal.com. Well, it was first identified in early December 2019, a novel strain of coronavirus now renamed by the World Health Organization as COVID-19. And it comes from Wuhan, where it was first found, and it's attracted the attention of the world. As of February 10th, 2020, more than a thousand people have died. Tens of thousands of others have been infected. Fears continue to mount, disruptions to trade and travel are being felt around the world, and there's a rising volume of misinformation about the outbreak that's resulted in the World Health Organization also declaring an infodemic. Well, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to discuss this new coronavirus COVID-19 outbreak. We're going to take a look at the real picture of what's happening, the overall impact on travel and business, and China's new rules for dealing with that virus. To help us explore this topic, we have attorney Grace Yang, who works out of Harris Bricken's Seattle and Beijing offices. Grace is Harris Bricken's lead attorney on China labor and employment law matters, and she's the author of a book, The China Employment Law Guide. Her international background gives her a deep understanding of both American and Chinese cultures, as well as their legal systems. She also writes for the China Law Blog, which can be found at chinalawblog.com. Welcome to the show, Grace.
0: Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me here.
1: We're very glad to have you. Can you give us a little bit of the background behind the COVID-19 outbreak, where it started, how it started? There's been a lot of information that I've read about it, and some of it's conflicting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, apparently the um, the outbreak started from Wuhan We've you may have seen um, the the seafood and meat market that was closed down where the the first cases were were discovered. And um, since then, um, there has been, um, well, a lot of, like you said, a lot of misinformation because the Chinese government, well, their sort of first initial action was to, um, reaction was to, well, cover up the, the whole picture and then, the, um, the spread was really fast, and the Chinese government has been um, doing its best to 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 control and prevent the uh, epidemic from getting even worse. But it's um, it, it's been it's been really tough.
1: From seeing the construction of a hospital in ten days, it seems like China is just throwing all of its resources against this.
0: Yes, it has. Um, well you know China is like I um like to tell other people I mean China is a complex um country it's it's um, it's incredible that it can build a hospital in ten days but it's also the the control that Beijing is trying trying to strengthen is trying to uh basically control how the information flows and controls what other people see is also incredible. I mean, not probably, I mean, not in a good way. I personally think that it could put even more efforts into um, caring about its people rather than just focusing on enhancing its control.
1: Well there have also been some videos where we've seen some pretty rough handling of Chinese citizens where they've been forcibly taken from their homes and and quarantined there have been stories about caregivers being quarantined and then the person that was receiving the care dying that's so different than we would see at least we would like think we would see in from uh, in between the cultures can you help us understand the difference in the cultures that explain
0: that um the well, pe- no. I was just going to
1: say it's hard for I think Americans to understand the kind of forcible behavior that that we're seeing on television.
0: I think it has less to do with cultural differences, but more to do with how the Chinese government is, like I said, um, trying to to control, to control its people and control how the how others view it 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 is heartbreaking to to see that basically Chinese people or ordinary people are not being treated as as people. so it, it, it's shocking to I'm from China originally, but when when I hear of stories like the one that you were just saying, and that that pains me to to even I can't even imagine the pain and you know how scared and frustrated and angry. Um, the Chinese people have, have been, especially those who are forced to, especially those who are in, in Wuhan province, um, where they are hit the, the hardest.
1: Within China, what kind of information are the people getting about this outbreak?
0: The uh, lack of accurate information. They're not, well, like before, are, there's no free press there's no free flow of accurate information they they're getting the pictures that are basically painted by by beijing the the central government there and they they know that because of well today's world it, it's different than before i mean there's there's more you know more people having access have access to 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 the internet and then and and people with especially people with VPNs, they can um, sort of see what's what's out there, what's beyond the Great Wall, and that changes things.
1: Is China losing its control because of peop- uh, citizens' access to the internet?
0: In a way, yes, and that is what that is why they have been um, uh, focusing their efforts and resources into um, strengthening its control. So it's not gonna back down just because people can see what's, what's outside of China.
1: What's the danger to the rest of the world given that there's official misinformation coming from China? I mean, do we really know what's happening in China or is it being kept from us?
0: Um, I think we sort of know there are still free there there's free press outside of china i mean granted it's hard to gain um truthful and accurate information from from china but but there are there are report there are honest reporters there that are writing store stories about what's going on in china and and some of them are in china and they're they're um telling up the rest of the world exactly what what is going on that that is really helpful.
1: There have been circumstances that I've read about in the in various articles on the internet that say that certain bloggers have have uh, put out videos and people have put out videos and then their family members say they've gone missing and they haven't been heard from. Is is that actually what's going on? If if there's an independent blogger who's putting out You know, what is presumably accurate information? Is the Chinese government then seizing that journalist or citizen journalist and taking that information away from us?
0: Yes, unfortunately, that has been the case, I mean, and not just independent bloggers I mean, even lawyers who are fighting for human rights in China—they've—they've they've gone missing, or or they've been threatened. Um, their family members are threatened. So that's um, that's that's been going on for.
1: You spend part of your time in Beijing. Is this a danger to you to even be on this podcast?
0: <laughs> um, I, I get concerned sometimes. Um, I. I've been spending, I mean, fortunately for me, I mean, thankfully I've been spending um, more time, the majority of my time in Seattle. So I, um, but I've got got extended family in China, so I'm I'm, I'm scared for them. And and my family tells me to be careful about what I say on, on, you know, on platform like this and on WeChat because, you know, we get monitored um, for
1: everything on there. Well, we certainly don't want to put you in any danger or in any position where you're saying something that's inappropriate. So please, you know, take care. Yeah, thank you. Um, and if I'm asking a question, feel free not to answer it if it's if it would impact your safety. So. Give us a little bit of perspective on the labor market, uh, your specialty, and how this coronavirus COVID nineteen has been impacting businesses in the travel industry.
0: It has had a huge impact on on businesses, um, and even I mean companies doing business in or with China as well. the The travel industry has has also been hit very hard. I mean, people. I mean, given the 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 travel restrictions, the the travel bans to and from mainland China and the restrictions on traveling within China. And imagine there are so many migrant workers working in China there. I mean, there must be so many people that are not getting to where they should be working now, assuming that it's OK to back to be back to work in in their locales
1: in china we've even heard of a situation where there's a cruise ship that can't find a place to dock because the countries are concerned that there is coronavirus on board and then there's another cruise ship that's been forcibly uh, detained and quarantined in in a port in japan this has affected every aspect of the the travel industry hasn't it
0: yes i can imagine what the people on the ships are going through and and their family members, yeah, it's really rough.
1: What advice would you give travelers to China or people that are supposed to travel, just stay away for the time being?
0: I would say yes. (laughs) Many companies have adopted policies that, I mean, not necessarily banning travel to China, but really um, clearing with the managers um, of the companies prior to any travel to China to, to really limit the amount of travel unless it's truly necessary, um, do not go to China.
1: What impact is it having on the products that are being made in China and the, the goods and materials that are shipped to and from to make those products? Is it, it, are those at a standstill as well or are the ships being loaded at the docks still?
0: everything is delayed. I if something is if a, if an order is placed even before the Chinese New Year, I, I don't think the chances are the buyers, the foreign buyers are not getting them. Even with the factories sort of starting to open after the uh the government mandated time off period. I mean the workers most of the workers are not at the factories and so i'd say the factories are not fulfilling their 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 orders and the buyers are not getting their products not anytime soon
1: thank you grace before we move on to our next segment we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor Predict legal outcomes with Blue Jay Legal's Foresight platforms. Using AI to analyze thousands of cases and administrative rulings, Blue Jay Legal can predict with 90% accuracy on average how a judge would likely rule in your case. Plus, you can research by factors and outcomes to find the relevant cases in seconds. Stay ahead of the curve and learn more at BlueJLegal.com. That's Blue, the letter J, legal.com. BlueJLegal.com. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams and with us today is Attorney Grace Yang who works out of Harris Brickens Seattle and Beijing offices. We've been discussing the impact of the coronavirus now known as COVID-19. Grace, you know, before the break you were talking about some severe impacts that that people aren't working, the docks aren't being uh, utilized and products aren't being shipped, materials aren't coming in and it sounds like this is been going on for a period of time. What can we expect economically to be the effect of this as as it has its ripple effect across the world?
0: Well, it has uh, a huge effect um, on on the economic activities um, in connection really related to China, even in the smallest way. The thing is it it's it's not going to change anytime soon.
1: How long can we expect this to last?
0: We just we we don't know when this will end.
1: You know, we've heard estimates from President Trump that China thinks it may be finished as of April. Is that a a realistic time frame or can we expect this to last much longer than that?
0: As much as I would like to say it will end even in March, um, or maybe April, we don't know. Now we just don't know.
1: There have been some reports that the number of reported cases lessened yesterday in China by some 20%. Is that a a valid uh, assessment? Or do you think that that we're not really getting the true story from from China in terms of the the number of reported cases or is this the type of thing that the world health organization and other governments just simply mandate the truth
0: i would not necessarily trust the uh, information that we're getting from the chinese government
1: how do we go about protecting ourselves from this i mean i you know i don't want to be a fear monger in the sense that you know we all understand what an outbreak is and and the possible effects of it. I mean, we've had a couple of movies about that. What do we really expect? What's the current estimate about the the effect of the virus itself on people? Are there have there been estimates of the expected number of deaths and infections?
0: Um I think well, some some measures such as having the employees work from home and just trying to avoid human, any sort of close contact as much as possible, that would help. I'm not aware of any estimates. Um,
1: right, so it's, a, it's all up in the air at this point. Well, we have something to compare it to. We have the 2003 SARS outbreak where some 774 right. people died. But it's, so far, this looks like it's gonna be a little bit worse. Do you have a, an insight on that?
0: It seems to me this is worse than the 2003 SARS outbreak. Back then, the outbreak um, led to business and school closures for a very long time. And so this, right now, I mean, like we talked about, there's just no end in sight.
1: How long were businesses closed from the SARS outbreak?
0: It uh, It was a long time ago, but I remember being, well, staying at home. and doing nothing and not going to school for a very long time back then.
1: And that was because of the clampdown that was put in place in China by the government? Yeah. How does this affect the employees in China in terms of their pay? Or if they're not working, are they getting paid?
0: It's sort of depends on where um, the employees are and what the local um, employment laws say. Generally speaking, they should be paid at least, well, even even with the business closure, within a uh, wage payment cycle, the employee should be provided with um, whatever the standard that is provided in their standard rate. In their employment contract, I've heard stories and cases about employers not providing any pay to the employee, and that does not sound right to me.
1: So, for employees that uh, are working at home, uh, they can expect to be paid. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yes. the The short answer is is yes. If there. Are, basically doing their normal work. um, The only difference is that they're doing at home and then they um, should be provided with their uh, normal pay. And the reason why I was a little hesitant was because before um, the work resumption, for example, in Shanghai before the work work resumption on um, this past Monday, February 10th, if the employee had worked back then it would count as overtime so they would get not just their normal pay but overtime pay or or um, comp time in lieu of overtime pay
1: right that makes sense What about for uh, other countries that rely on goods being shipped from China you know obviously they're being delayed uh, what kind of remedies exist for that situation
0: um, I'm afraid the Chinese, manufacturers are um start well they've already started uh arguing force majeure um so they the the kind of remedy that is available to the foreign buyers that rely on chinese goods are kind of limited I and mean, then they could try to negotiate uh, uh to amend the agreement with the chinese supplier but the chances are the Chinese suppliers going to say, "Well, they just don't know. They so much uncertainty. They don't know when they are, will be back. Uh, they will be when they will be up and running."
1: Right. So, has China adopted new employment rules for dealing with this? Or you know, are they what kinds of things are they putting in place to try and stop the situation?
0: Yeah. Um, ever since the outbreak. Um, China has been pretty much uh, coming out with new employment rules every day. And and the locales, they are uh, rushing out new rules to um, deal with the epidemic as well. Um, It's kind of hard. I mean, given the local differences and how many uh, rules that have come out since then, It's a little bit hard to to even give a summary, but the focus is on protection of the employees and uh, reducing the burden on the employers as to the extent possible and not putting the employee's health and life in danger by um, having them resume work.
1: In some situations it's not even possible for some of the employees to work because there are underneath supplies. How what happens in those situations?
0: Generally speaking, the employers are encouraged or expected to sort of negotiate with the employee to come to an understanding about possibly reducing work hours for reduced pay or or be put on standby for a uh, amended salary to, to deal with this situation, but it's, it's, it's difficult for everyone. I mean, the employees don't want to be punished for the outbreak and the, neither do the employers. And the government's position on this is sort of try to, um, the parties should negotiate and, and come to a mutual understanding on, on these issues and to the extent possible
1: sounds to me like everybody suffers right and what happens to the workers in China without any pay I mean,
0: they may be able to um, if they're laid off um, or I mean they may be able to collect employment um, benefits and some locales have announced that they will try to make this application process as easy as possible possible and the employee supposedly they can do everything online without having to go actually go to the labor um, local labor bureau to um, get this taken care of. Um, how, how in reality that works we don't know because we've seen firsthand how um, not user-friendly the, um, the Chinese government websites can be.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, we've talked about the location of this in Wuhan. Is this area just around Wuhan where this economic effect is occurring, or is it occurring throughout the entire country?
0: It is occurring um, throughout the country. It's not just Wuhan.
1: How will the government be able to financially handle the kind of impact that it's going to take to keep its workers with money to pay for food and shelter and basic necessities and yet continue to run it seems like an impossible task
0: um i guess we'll we'll see (laughs) and i mean the my guess is that they will try to finance it and they i mean i've heard that the the, the prices for goods have have now gone up significantly because of the outbreak, um, but the problem is that there are just not enough medical supplies, not enough medical personnel and facilities. I guess we'll 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 see how how it all works out.
1: Yes, it's certainly. A lot is up in the air and a lot remains to be seen about what's going to be happening. Well, Grace, it looks like we just about reached the end of our program. So I'd like to take the opportunity to invite you to share your final thoughts and your contact information for our listeners to reach out to you.
0: Sure. I would say if you are an employer in China, just be super careful about any uh, potentially adverse employer decision you might you making today and um, everything is, pretty much everything is trickier given the current state. So think twice before you act. Um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to, uh, well, first check out our blog, China Law Blog, and then um, you can send me an email at grace at harrisbreaking.com.
1: Great. Thank you very much. We'd like to thank our guest attorney, Grace Yang of Harris-Bricken, for joining us today. And for our listeners, if you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. And you can visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. You can join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think Lawyer to Lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer.